0: tyrod taylor a hundred million dollars did he win the lottery i mean colin kaepernick lottery what was your first reaction what the hell i mean seriously say it out loud tyrod taylor hundred million dollar quarterback at this time last year he was a backup this is buffalo and there certain sp- cities in America are low self-esteem sports cities. Cleveland, Buffalo. Ryan Fitzpatrick's good for a half. Keys to the city. <laughs> Mario
1: Williams wants to play for us. Keys to the city. This is ridiculous. I don't understand why Rex Ryan is sending you the DM. It should be Doug Wadey, the general manager, who needs his head examined. That's who did this deal. Di- I don't get it. I I don't understand why you want that messaging out there. Listen, again, I call it the Colin Kaepernick uh, lottery, but Kaepernick actually won games and played in big games, played in the Super Bowl and got a bunch of money. And outplayed Aaron Rodgers in a big game. What has Tyrod Taylor done to deserve any type of... I think there's an ulterior motive here, guys.
2: Rex Ryan's going to be out of work next year when they miss the playoffs. He's
3: lobbying to you for a job at this network. (laughs) I'm not hiring. He is made for TV. No thanks. All right, Bills fans. Sorry you, uh, you had to hear that. Uh, but that is the, uh, the way of the national media. Colin Cowherd there on the Colin Cowherd show, the, the herd, I believe it's still called on Fox Sports Network. Uh, I had who some, cares what it's called? It's some interesting things to say there about the, uh, the signing of Tyrod Taylor and, uh, the Bills as a franchise altogether. Well, welcome in either way. Uh, I'm Nate Geary with me in studio today, uh, Ryan Lassell. How you doing, buddy?
2: Good. Thanks for thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
3: I'm happy to have you. We uh, we did some stuff on uh, Rock Sports Net last week. If you missed it, it's all over Facebook. Uh, it's all over Twitter. It's all over everywhere. Right? All over social media. We also do some stuff together on uh, on Bills Fanatics uh, Network, which you can check out uh, on Bills Fanatics Network on Facebook on Twitter. So uh, we do a bunch of stuff on there. Some some Facebook Live. Uh, some other good stuff like that. So, so check that out for sure. Uh, Derek Kramer in with me this morning as well in studio behind the board doing updates, doing his thing. Yep, you know, just a, just another day getting to sit in the chair, talk to Sprots. Let's talk to Sprouts. It's the only way to do it on a Saturday morning. Uh, today's game day, people. And uh, if you've been like me and you've been basically waiting for this day, I mean, maybe not this day, but maybe opening day. But this is kind of like a decent consolation prize. It's it's one of those things
4: where you're really itching to to get. It's this, just some sort of football. It, it's 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 more or less the thing. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to use the alliteration I was going to there. Uh, it's like you want the shiny toy. Yes, but you but get, you'll take. But you get this decent toy for now.
3: It's like it holds you over till your birthday.
4: Yes, and it's also a guarantee that the shiny toy is going to. be It's going to come. It's going to come eventually. It's guaranteed, but you have to
3: just deal with this for now. Ryan, you know, I think the interesting part is too. They opened the preseason with the Colts, which is similar to when them they opened the season last year in the regular season with the Colts. Tyrod's coming out party of sorts. Percy Harvin looks like, oh man, we're gonna have a great team, great offense. Then you know things kind of went downhill from there. What, uh, what? I mean, I don't think we can really expect to see much of Tyrod today, um, or really the starting offense is the first game, but. I mean, thoughts, what do you, are you going to the game tonight? Are you going to be watching? What are you going to be looking for?
2: I actually uh, passed on the opportunity to go to the game tonight uh, as a season ticket holder. I decided not to go, uh, mainly because, as you said, with injuries, I I can't imagine we're going to see too much of impact players. You know, it's kind of fitting that we open against the Colts in the preseason, considering last year's game against the Colts ultimately kind of looked like a preseason game and turned into a preseason game with as much as the Colts regressed over the course of the season, that first week victory kind of, became soured over the course of time. So, um, you know, tonight I think it'll be interesting. It'll be an opportunity to see a lot of the bat camp battles that we've been watching and, right. and keeping an eye on. And, um, you know, hopefully these young guys get an opportunity to step up because I can't imagine that Rex Ryan is going to leave the starters out there for very long based on the injuries that they've been dealing with in camp so far.
3: Yeah, we uh, it's an interesting thing to... Today at least for me, I'll be going to the game. I usually go with uh, with a big group of friends. My friend Zach Balzer, my friend Matt, my friend Brian. We'll all be there tonight, you know, in the crowd, enjoying the atmosphere. And and I remember last year um, walking into the to the stadium for the first preseason game at home, and I was excited. And I'm, I probably won't be as excited this year, um, but. I I'm going to I'm going to go and I'm going to enjoy myself probably afterwards have a few adult beverages to you know really cap the night off but for me I I think what you said is true and what I'm going to be looking for is a lot of these camp battles that have been really underway so far in camp you know this receiver battle Greg Little has really kind of separated himself from the guys that I think they thought I, if you look at the guys that they brought in really it was last season at the end of the year um, when a lot of those camp bodies are, are you know, the Jarrell Worthies, the camp guys that are going to be in there vying for a 53-man roster spot, they sign really right after the season when they can get some players on the cheap um, on one-year uh, proven contracts. And guys like Jarrett Boykin, guys like Leonard Hankerson, and as I just mentioned, Greg Little, So you would assume at that time the Bills thought maybe one of those three guys will separate themselves during camp. And to me, it has been Greg Little. I think he has separated himself um, as one of the top six guys. And and I think Greg Salas is the same way. I think Salas has carved himself a little bit of a niche on this team. It may not be an every down three, number three wide receiver. He may be more of a situational guy, but he's carved himself a niche on this team, I think. And the same can be said about Marquise Goodwin, who has had a really, really strong beginning to his camp. The thing is, is there is still weeks left to go, and he'll have to stay healthy if he plans on making the impact he's so far shown in camp.
2: Yeah, and especially, I mean, we talk about Marquise Goodwin. He's the guy that, you know, we've been waiting the last three to four seasons for him to finally be a legitimate number 3 wide receiver. And right now in camp, I think he's there. It's just a matter of can he stay healthy. And he even calls to that in press conferences. You talk to him, and he's aware of the, of the fact that he's unable to stay healthy over the course of his career. Um, you know, when we talk about Greg Little, I, I mean, yeah, he's separated himself for sure. But if you followed Greg Little's career, he's – you know, very capable of dropping two to three balls and that could be the difference between getting a roster spot and losing a roster spot. He had two big drops the other day when I was at camp on Wednesday and just, you know, you can't have that when you're, when fighting you're in a, battle, for a roster spot. Right. Um, what I think is gonna be interesting is how much time Des Lewis sees Today, because of the injury that occurred on Thursday night when he collided with Aaron Williams. Um, You know, he got off the field and and it didn't seem like it was a big deal, but, you know, those things can tend to linger and he's a guy who can't afford to give up reps. So I think that wide receiver battle is going to be very interesting. And, you know, Greg Salas, uh, you know, I draw the comparison quite frequently. I think he's going to be the Chris Hogan of this team. He's just a guy that gets open, he does whatever you need him to do. Um, I think out of the wide receivers, Outside of the top three Woods, Watkins, and Goodwin, I think Salas is the biggest lock right now to make the roster, and everybody else is fighting for the for the uh, five, six, potentially even a seven and seventh. Spot. Depending
3: on uh, it's going to be depending on what they do with the roster. If they keep a kickoff specialist, uh, if they keep. A fifth safety, which I yeah. don't really see happening, or keeping extra linebacker because of the issues they've had with injuries thus far in camp. But and I think you're right, and I think what hurts Des Lewis is you know what his issue is is another person's opportunity. And today, like a Boykin, um, like a Hankerson, who haven't really had the strongest starts to their camp, can have an opportunity here to put something on film. And it may not be for a Bills roster spot, but it might be another roster spot on one of the other 31 teams in the yeah. league. Today is a really good opportunity for guys like Jared Boykin. And guys like, um, you know, Walter Powell, guys who have at least made some, a little bit of noise from here to there, but not on a a consistent basis. This really gives them an opportunity to put something on film, you know, and move forward with their careers, hopefully in in a Bills jersey. But again, there are 90 90 guys in the camp roster. You can only keep 53. There are going to be guys that. Ultimately, there's, get are playing on other teams, but this is their opportunity, cuts. right? There is, there always is, and and if you are a frequent watcher of um, Hard Knocks, you know that those last like six to ten cuts are always the most difficult because there is a lot of guys. I mean, really, from about 28 to 30 to 53 those guys are very very similar in talent um so it's difficult for them to really maneuver between 30 and 53 you know to choose those guys those guys are really going to be contributing on special teams um those guys are going to be contributing on third down as positional and and situational football players so It's all about, at this point, like I mentioned, putting good things on film, putting good habits on film, uh, and showing that they belong in the NFL, and that's really the most important thing for me in the preseason
2: one of the things I'm finding, finding opportunities to show that you can make a difference where other people can. I think that's where Greg Salas is kind of creating that space is, you know, he's a guy that in camp, he just always seems to be open. He runs those intermediate routes very well. Um, he returns punts. He's one of the few guys that's back there returning punts along with Walter Powell. And you know, when you look at a guy like Leonard Hankerson, a guy like Greg little, they've been around the block a few times, their fifth year in the NFL. So, um, these are guys that they know the importance of it. And I, you know, I said it the other uh, le- the other day when I did my show. that Des Lewis, I think, is going to find himself on the outside looking in because he just doesn't bring a different dimension, and he has kind of plateaued since offseason workouts have begun, and that's going to be difficult.
4: Yeah, one of the things I'm looking at on the, it's on the other it's going to be on the offensive line actually. It's uh, with Cordy Glenn out. It, it's very important and crucial to see what Cyrus Quanjo is going to be doing at left tackle because, from all intents and purposes of what I've read from what Sal Capacho has reported here at WGR 550. He's somewhat holding his own and being a little more comfortable on the left side, and after you'd see how he had done on the right side, you'd think, how is that possible? Right. And after all you've seen for the past couple of years, the guy who is, who his offensive line coach called the Venus Del Milo, also known as the Armless Statue two years back, <laughs> is suddenly making strides on the left side, which is one of those things where you're just like, all right, let's see what happens now against... Yeah, Indy's not the real first test I want I mean, it's not the test I want but you know what I think it's one of those things where you got to start somewhere
3: you definitely start and and the interesting thing and I'm glad you brought up Quanjo is he's twenty two years old mm-hmm. he's a, this is a young kid he's been in the league for a few years but he's still so young and still has so much ability to improve and learn at his age that I think he makes for an interesting guy if he can and you're right I think it is I wouldn't say weird, but it's it's not usual to see someone struggle the way they did on the right side, which in most cases, and if you ask most people, is the easier of the two positions, the less you need to be the least athletic There's a to way play that the I right tackle
4: to see that. I mean, because you're used to a certain movement. Um That's and true. at Alabama he was left tackle. Yeah. So it becomes more habitual. Yeah. Therefore, you have a chance to go back to your old ways. And at Alabama, there was a reason that he was actually that he was highly touted, and a guy that some people were saying should have gone in, in the, the first, first round. round right so he's going back to those
3: same movements, familiar emotions, and it may be a sense of comfort. it definitely could be eight o three. 0550 is the number, 888-550-2550 if you're out of the area. I want to hear what you guys have to think, your opinions. Uh, we're going to get an entire out a little bit more as we move forward here, but we are talking a little bit of camp battles. Tonight's preseason game we will have pregame coverage starting at 5 o'clock. Sal Capaccio comes in, he'll have countdown to kickoff at 5 and Matthew Collar is in at 11-2 to 2 this morning or This slash afternoon for Sports Talk Saturday, and then I will be joining him for the postgame show later after the game, so you want to stick around for that. And uh, as as we move forward here, this is going to be kind of the first real taste of football. Um, the game will be on TV, but if you won't be around to catch it, you can catch it, of course, right here on WGR Sports Radio 550 starting at 7 o'clock.
4: Yes. Well, I mean, on the technical sense, we're going all day.
3: We technically are going all day. That's yeah, true. We are going
4: to be going all day because I'd imagine Matt's going to have a lot to talk about with this game. A couple things. Maybe a couple things. A couple, couple, couple 2 three. Yeah. We're going to be talking about this, so it's really going to be all-day coverage today here on WGR 550 unless the Colts go two for two and cancel games yes because there are reports of thunderstorms and if that happens and the Colts go two for two on canceled games that would actually be that's a a
3: feat that would that would really be the luckiest thing any team could do is not play two of their five preseason games I mean they do have a horseshoe for a logo they they do have a horseshoe for a logo um, but what I want to kind of get back to, Ryan, is something that we talked about in your show last week after camp. um and and that's the continuation of this this wide receiver battle., um, something that we talked about, and, and as you mentioned, is is Des Lewis on the outside looking in. And I think similarly, a guy named Marcus Easley, yeah. um, someone that has really kind of been a mainstay of special teams success on this team has really been the only highlight the past two years on a special teams unit that to me has been one of the worst special teams units in the league so you're thinking to yourself well well, Nate why would you say that Marcus Easley is ha- maybe has a difficult time making this roster if their special teams has been so poor but if you look at the, of the moves that Doug Whaley made in the offseason now of course he was really really hamstringed by lack of cap space yeah. so what he had to do was, was add depth players and add players that are going to help this team on special teams players like Colt Anderson who I I don't think has really a role as a safety on this team, but if they keep four safeties, I think Cole Anderson's also a lock. I think he does so much for you on your special teams. He's on the first team special teams unit on every team. And then you have a guy like, uh, Lorenzo Alexander, yep, another yep. really good special teams player who also is going to get a chance tonight to show what he can do an outside linebacker over guys like IK and Apollo who don't contribute on special teams, and guys like Eric Stryker who we don't know what he'll be able to do on the special teams side. We know he can rush the passer. I mean, I was sitting with you at, uh, for the scrimmage last Saturday, and he was one of those guys that really stuck out to me as someone who at, at the very least can, can carve himself out a role on this team rushing the passer, but Marcus Easley an interesting name to me because because he is so one-dimensional and is in what he can bring and provide for this team, and it's really only special teams he can't provide you much at the wide receiver level. So, to me, if you have a choice right now and it comes down to Des Lewis and Marcus Easley for a sixth or seventh wide receiver spot, who are you giving it to?
2: Uh, I mean, I'm I'm giving it personally to Des Lewis. I mean, you look at Des Lewis and he's the only wide receiver on the roster right now that's over six two. Um, he's a guy who's been successful in college, albeit against lesser talent than Division 1, but he's a guy that can climb the ladder, go get the ball. Uh, and Marcus Easley has three career catches. He's mm. just he's just a guy who's not going to contribute very much offensively. Uh, so special teams, I, I mean, they've really got to find struggles at the gunner position yeah. for him to be able to find a role. Because if they can't find someone to play that gunner position on kickoffs and on uh, punt, uh, punt coverage... Marcus Easley may still have a roster spot, but if you got one of these cornerbacks that step up or even maybe a Walter Powell or Greg Salas type guy that steps up, I think Marcus Easley is in trouble because he hasn't practiced once all season, right. and it doesn't look like he's going to be practicing anytime soon.
3: Yeah, and I mean a guy like Kevon Seymour, um, yeah. A guy they brought in, he looks to have one of those gunner positions to me locked down. Yeah. Um. And I think they like what he brings to the table. If a guy like Gilmore or Darby get hurt, he seems to be a nice fill-in on the outside. Then you have a guy like Sterling Moore, who's another veteran. Yep. Um. Who I see making this team as a special teams guy. And then you you can say you know there's there might be a receiver or two. Maybe, maybe it is a Greg Salas. Maybe it is a, a Greg a Greg Little. I don't know that they're going to be able to contribute like. Easily will on special teams, but if you can, if it's similar and it's close, I think you're right. I think that the the tie in this case goes to Des Lewis because he brings something that easily doesn't bring to the table. So eight oh three oh five fifty is the number today. We will have Nick Filipowski from WKBW. He will be on uh, right around nine thirty. He's been at camp just about more than anybody else. Uh, he's just had the camera in hand, watching every practice. So we'll get his thoughts on camp thus far and uh, what he'll be doing uh, tonight for the game, as well as uh, a little bit of Tyrod talk, which we're going to get more into um, in the next half hour here in the second segment of the show. Um, so you're going to want to stick tuned uh, to me, Derek, and Ryan here for the next hour and a half as we continue on our Bills talk. It's, it's game day, people, uh, so you'll want to turn your dials to WGR 550. And uh, up next, we will continue talking Tyrod right here on WGR.
1: This is a competition-driven league. Of course, it's not like NBA where everything is guaranteed. You can get cut at any given time. So anytime you step on that field, it's something to prove, and that's been my mindset. Every time I step on a practice field, it's something for me to prove.
3: Bill's newest long-term contract signee, Tyrod Taylor. Well, kind of, kind of long-term contract signee in Tyrod Taylor. I, I definitely want to get um, to a lot of what Colin Cowherd said um, and – I, a lot of it I don't agree with, and and I think a lot of it is ma- as a manufactured, you know, "quote unquote" hate or, or or shade that he's been throwing towards the Bills. But I myself, uh, I, I do, I I don't really l- listen a lot to Colin Cowherd, but I I do like most of the time the things he's a very intelligent person. He's intelligent about how he um, how he brings sort of life. Things into the sports arena and compares them as such so i i i do I respect Colin and especially um, Jason Whitlock as well, who was on his show. I really like Whitlock, I would kind of always have he 's a great writer, uh, but to me, I really wasn 't. I didn't really like the things that I heard Colin Cowherd said and if uh can we play that sound one more time uh, I mean, for the for the folks to hear one more time just so we can uh, make it relevant in all of our heads again?
4: Yeah I, the biggest thing about it before we play it is the fact that you know it's like a almost an easy target kind of thing. Oh yeah
2: well
3: uh, the bills have been an easy target for I don't know 16 years or so.
2: Hey Colin aka Jerkflate. Jerkface, jerk <laughs> face please tell me why you always hate him. Now that we have our friend... this is from I, Rex
3: Ryan, by you, the finally way.
2: Finally admit, I've Quote got his unquote team headed
0: in the right direction. Tyrod Taylor, hundred million dollars. <laughs> Did he win the lottery? I mean Colin Kaepernick lottery. What was your first reaction? What the hell? I mean, seriously, say it out loud. Tyrod Taylor, hundred million dollar quarterback. At this time last year, he was a backup. This is Buffalo. And there are certain sp- cities in America are low self-esteem sports cities. Cleveland, Buffalo. Ryan Fitzpatrick's good for a half. Keys <laughs> to the city. Mario Williams <laughs> wants to play for us. Keys to the city. This is ridiculous.
2: Whitlock, they d- I will say this. It is technically a one-year deal. The team It's has a lot, lot of fake money. Out. Right, fake it's money. a lot
1: of fake money. But listen, I don't understand why Rex Ryan is sending you the DM. It should be Doug Whaley, the general manager, who needs his head examined. That's who did this deal. I don't get it. I I don't understand why you would want that messaging out there. Listen, again, I call it the Colin Kaepernick uh, lottery, but Kaepernick actually won games and played in big games, played in the Super Bowl, and got a bunch of money. And outplayed Aaron Rodgers in a big game. What has Tyrod Taylor done to deserve any type of? I think there's an ulterior motive here, guys.
0: Rex Ryan's going to be out of work next year when they miss the playoffs. He's lobbying to you for a job at this network. <laughs> I'm
3: not He'll hiring. Get, he is made for
1: TV. No thanks.
3: So there was Colin Cowherd on the herd yesterday reacting to the Tyrod Taylor contract. Uh, there's a lot to take in there. It's, a, it's about a two-minute clip. Uh, but to me, the the thing that I guess irritates me the most about it and, and it's not because I'm just a Bills fan and, and that's something like that. You're used to. You're used to that kind of talk in the national, especially the national media. But what I'll say about it is it's pretty clear to me that they're not exactly and even as they brought it up that it's really a one-year deal with a lot of quote unquote fake money. But they passed it over. They they passed it over and continued to kind of move on to where it sounded like they didn't know what they were talking about or had an idea of what they're talking about. Because to me them giving, tripling his contract this year, going from a $9 million quarterback, which was the lowest in the league, to a $9 million quarterback, okay. which is still the lowest in the league for any starting quarterback. There's no doubt in my mind that he deserved a contract raise this season, an approve-it year for him either way, whether he was making $3 million or whether he was making $9 million, To me, it's tough to criticize the Bills for this because they wanted to reward Tyrod for the season that he had last year, and them finding, quote-unquote, what they think to be their franchise quarterback every day. Colin Cowherd, me, you, everyone else isn't in the facilities every day to see what Tyrod does. And and from all accounts, from Sal Capaccio, from everyone that is around this team, as much as they are, says Tyrod is the first guy on the field. He's the last one off. He's He's... Created himself into a vocal leader this year. He's really taken over the team as the guy, as the that guy, the leader. And and to me, if they feel comfortable enough giving him still the 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 lowest contract for a starting quarterback in the league, and I think it's by a lot. And I think the next closest is Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's making like twelve, yeah, with three million more. So. I don't know, it, it seems to me they didn't exactly understand the language of the contract and why I think that the Bills finally put together a contract at a position at market value. They didn't overpay for someone, and realistically, as, as they talked about on Chopin the Bulldog yesterday with, with Brad Ryder and, 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 uh, and Bulldog, this ultimately turns into a one-year prove-it with a five-year, $80 million extension at the end.
2: Yeah, I mean, Tyrod Taylor's essentially betting on himself again, and I think a lot of credit needs to go to the Buffalo Bills for structuring the contract the way that they did, and I think a lot of credit needs to go to Tyrod Taylor for being willing to say, you know, I could potentially sign a a deal that's, you know, I could play out my contract, and I can go look on the open market or be franchised next year and make a lot of money. Or I can bet on myself and potentially collect a roster bonus of fifteen and a half million. And I mean that's if that's not betting on yourself again, I don't know what is. And and Tyrod Taylor at nine and a half million, which is what, nine point six three is what it ultimately winds up breaking down. He's the twenty-third highest paid quarterback in the league. Right as of right now, going into this season. So, you know, if if anyone has an opportunity, Albert Breer breaks it down perfect on Twitter. I mean, this is essentially a one-year deal that turns into a monster three-year deal with $50 million guaranteed over the first three years if the Bills pick up the option after the first year.
3: And that's the thing. The option.
4: They have have the option. They have have not one, but two ripcords on this deal, actually. In 2017, after the season, and in 2018, after the next season, they can still opt out. So there's not just one year. There are two years where they can say... Let's get out of this. We don't like it. So again, it it was big here, Nate, that they said that there was a lot of fake money on that, Coward and Whitlock did, but they ignored it. They ignored it to make them sound themselves sound more or less aggressive to the deal and, in my opinion, silly. They sounded absolutely silly yeah. and tried to drive a narrative.
3: Yeah, you're right. And 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 it's kind and that that is them. They're they're generating a topic to garner attention to and and you and that's
2: what, that's what happens
3: and yeah. he's a yeah. daily host and i can understand and respect what the responsibilities and the difficult nature of which it is to run a 4-hour broadcast i watch show Up in the bulldog and i've interned in the morning show it is a difficult thing to run a 5 day a week 4-hour show and not and to be able to keep people's attention yeah. you have to say things and you have to garner attention and that's just the way it is. It's a difficult industry. And say what you will about talking on the radio, it's hard to do when you have to fill four hours on a 5 day five day week basis. That, it's a difficult thing to do. That doesn't give them an excuse to for be Skip bayliss it. Right, and to be a little bit ignorant about it. And, and my good buddy Kyle tweeted at me and he said, you know, the Bills really are damned if they do, damned if they don't. Because yeah. if they don't sign Tyrod Taylor, what the narrative is... This team won't even sign their franchise quarterback. They have a quarterback finally, and they're paying him the least amount of money as the starting quarterback in the league. Instead, they sign him to a super, super friendly, a team-friendly contract this year that gives him and rewards him for being successful and bringing this team to new heights that they haven't had since 2000. They haven't had a quarterback worthy of this, of market value money. Now... You can't I don't want to say 17 to 18 million dollars a year was at market 5 10 years ago. 5 10 years ago that was not the market value. As we continue moving forward and the cap continues to rise, market value for the uh, the going rate for a decent starting quarterback is only going to rise and it's only going to be above 20 million. So think about this in 3 years if you have Tyrod Taylor who is successful and he's proved that he's a a franchise quarterback under the age of 30. And you get him at a 13 to 14 million dollar base salary, which, if you look at the the numbers in 2017, he's looking at a 12 million dollar cap hit. Well, not, it won't, it'll be more than that, but it's the base salary at 12 million, and that goes up to 13 in 2018.
2: Then it's 13 for the remaining. And then it's 13. Right.
3: So if you have a quarterback who is successful and brought you to the playoffs and you're paying him 12 to 13 million as a base contract, that is a steal, especially in three years when you're going to have guys like Brock Osweiler going into his third contract. And if he's even remotely successful, he's going to get over 20 million with seven starts under his belt. He gets 18. So to me, it doesn't make sense that there is any sort of criticism of this contract if anything they should be finding ways to to figure out a way to to compliment Doug Whaley on this because Doug Whaley they waited they they knew that they weren't going to get the Stephon Gilmore contract done yet so now they decided to move on to the other guy that they can they can configure this in such a way that their cap figure can, and they have a number in mind, and don't don't think they don't. The yeah. Bills have a number that they're willing to pay Gilmore. They're not going to pay him the most money to be the, the the top paid corner in the league. It's just not going to happen, and you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't be the team, the one out of 32 teams that pays their top cornerback the, the, the top money in the league. You shouldn't do that. Because as you can see, some of the contracts they gave out, the Cordy Glens, the Marcel Darius, the Jerry Hughes, the Charles Clays, They've been criticized for those because they are one of the top. Those three, four contracts are some of the most player-friendly contracts in the league. Now they do something where they turn it around and they do something that not only protects them, but rewards the quarterback that they feel is their franchise quarterback for playing well last year and gives them an opportunity to say, listen, if you aren't that guy, we have an out. And understand that and play to your best abilities, but we are protecting ourselves. So why are you being criticized for protecting yourself and your franchise from something that you've done in the past, which is paid Ryan Fitzpatrick? And yes, he was right. He, they paid, they prematurely paid Ryan Fitzpatrick. And yes, that was not Doug Whaley. And That's I think that game. gets lost. It gets lost. The EJ Manuel draft pick gets lost. But what are you going to do? You're going to draft Geno Smith later in the round. You moved back. You got an extra pick that turned into Kiko Alonso, and which really which turned into in Sch- 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 Sean Sch- McCoy. Yeah.
2: And then you're still going to get criticized for picking EJ Manuel. And EJ is still as of right now still the best quarterback to come out of that class. And, he's, so,
3: and say what you will, he's one of the top. Bar. He's one of the top backup quarterbacks in the league. Say what you will about it. I don't care if you agree with me. Look at some of the backup quarterbacks in this league and tell me that EJ Manuel isn't as good or better than some of the guys in the league. There are 25 Decent starting quarterbacks in this league, and I'm probably putting a too high of a number on. Yes, that. you are. Quite, quite honestly, the bottom half of the quarterbacks in this league are backup worthy quarterbacks that they these teams have no other option but to put them in a position because they have no other choice in this league. You have one opportunity. Maybe if you're lucky, if you're a GM in this league, you have one opportunity to sign a quarterback that you think can bring your team to a Super Bowl. If if you have a light of doubt. If you have a light of of confidence in that kind of guy, you need to keep him. You need to develop. And that's the main thing here is they're they're giving themselves an opportunity to let Tyrod Taylor develop under their system, under the Greg Roman system. That is, as he mentioned, quarterback-friendly. He said Colin Kaepernick, he got paid because of Greg Roman. Yeah. And so does Tyrod Taylor. He gets paid because he's in a quarterback-friendly system. And He's going to continue to develop. He's in his second year. To me, he's only going to get better in this Greg Roman system. Now, what I worry about is when Greg Roman has success, is he going to take a head coaching job, and then you lose that, and then look what happened to Kaepernick when he lost Greg Roman. He turned into a a head case, a total head case. who wasn't a
2: tired arm before the preseason. Right.
3: (laughs) So uh, there is so much to talk about. I think there's so many layers of this Tyrod Taylor contract. Can I add another one? Yes, please.
4: Average annual salary. For Tyrod Taylor, with the bonuses in this entire contract, if it plays all the way through, eighteen and a half million, and that is the going
3: want, rate for a quarterback.
4: Do you want to know three main players that are making more than him an average annual salary? One's a fra- one's a franchise tag, Kirk Cousins. That that might be push. At push, I, would, I would call that a push. Push at best. How many years has Ryan Tannehill oh. has the Ryan Tannehill prove it year been?
2: Oh, man, and Ryan Tannehill, if you, did you see that <laughs> offensive line last night? Well, yeah. Man, he's in trouble this year with that offensive line. He's always been in trouble in Miami. Style. But how
4: many times have you heard, this is the make or break it year. year for... This is yeah, the year for Tannehill. This is the decade for Tannehill. Yeah. But guess what? Tannehill makes more than Tyrod Taylor. And said man who had a tired arm before a preseason game and could be losing his job to Blaine Gabbert, <laughs> Colin Kaepernick makes more in an average annual salary than Tyrod Taylor. Go ahead and rip this deal apart, national media, because I'm going to tell you right now, the Bills only invested, at the very minimum, $10 million on making sure that Tyrod Taylor is the guy. There are not one, but two ripcords in case of emergency, in case this is a Fitzpatrick deal.
2: Well, there's really, I mean, there's really ripcords year to year after this, after, after this option, where he gets a $15.5 million bonus in March. There's no guaranteed money in this contract after that point, so yeah. they've got they've really got. Outs. It's
4: incentive laden. It's, it's
2: a year to year prove it deal, and from what I understand, it, we've yet to see what the incentives are, but it sounds like they're lofty incentives yeah. for him to earn that, yeah. that and, money.
4: And it's more or less the fact that even even if they had to do a normal buyout throughout the contract after the two years, it's it, it's really those two years that are the most team friendly buyout clauses where. There's no money that they have to owe, so again, within the first two years, you're going to find out if Tyrod Taylor's the guy or not. Simple as that.
2: And you should. I mean, you, you hopefully you know at that point. I mean, and you can go down the list. I mean, to your point, you can go down the list. I mean, Tony Romo, twenty point eight million dollars. I mean, the guy can't perform. He's a glass in the last case. case. Yeah. I mean, you, and he can't perform in the postseason. You know, you look at you look at other guys. Um, you know, would. Like you said, I mean Alex Smith is like another guy who makes a lot of money. Jay Cutler's a guy who makes a lot of money. He's what he's.
3: The, Jay Cutler's the highest paid per year on average quarterback in the league.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I um, and you look at the deal for the Buffalo Bills, and it's you know again ninety two million over six. It's easy to look at that number and go, wow, that's a lot of money. But when you really look at it, it's it's a one year massive cap hit, which is next year twenty seven yeah. and a half million, and after that he's the twentieth highest paid quarterback in the again, league. Again, what for you the next said was years. the key
4: word here, four letters. It's easy to look at everything like this and go ahead and start laughing about it or everything like that. But
2: NFL contracts aren't easy anymore. No, they're not. not
4: It's not easy more than I would say that in this case with Whitlock and Coward, it was lazy.
2: Yeah, I mean for them to acknowledge the fact that there's a lot of they, fake, they quote skip unquote, Bayless fake money right. and then to still bash the deal, yeah. it 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 just shows I mean, t- t- you know, Nate said it. I mean, you're you're creating a narrative. Uh C- Colin Cowherd is very good at saying what he needs to say to keep viewers interested whether it's positive or negative. People will listen because they want to hear what either if they don't like him what this jerk has to say next. Or if they do like him, I love his takes, and you know I can't believe he goes out on the limb like he does. And yeah,
4: but when I'm listening to Colin Cowherd, I don't expect to skip Bayless' take.
2: Yeah, but I mean, you know, Colin Cowherd it's is another z- guy who, two years from now, he could be praising this deal. He could yeah. be go, Are you kidding me? Tyrod Taylor's the 20th highest-paid quarterback in the league, and you know he's been to three straight Pro Bowls, and they're in the playoffs for the first time in 16 years. And it's I mean, he's another <laughs> guy who can flip it around just as fast and pretend that he never said that this was a bad deal to begin with.
3: Yeah, and I think it's funny too. I mean, it was what eight days, nine days ago when Richie Incognito showed up on his show and called him out and said, what's up, man? Why why are you always hating on my Bills? And you're right. it, It is a created narrative that, but at the same time, you have to realize as a Bills fan, and it's tough for me to sometimes grasp, is this team is only like a couple of wins and a couple of less embarrassing moments better than the Cleveland Browns and and it's hard to, to to lump yourself in with that team because you see what a joke and what a terrible terrible tire fire that Cleveland <laughs> Browns team is and has been and just coach to coach and the management is just a joke and and, and farmer and, and I understand and it's hard and he's right that FitzPatrick contract really hurt the credibility of this franchise but what people have to start realizing, and even Bills fans that are blaming Whaley for the Ragland injury, as if somehow they drafted Reggie Ragland in the second round knowing he wouldn't play for them this year, even though most people thought he had a chance to be the Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, yeah. because of his role, what was going to be in, in Rex Ryan's defense. Now maybe you knew something a little bit more than we did about Shaq Lawson, so be it. He's is still going to be able to contribute this season. And then they want to blame him for all these injuries or fire the trainers because they're not working him hard enough or blame Rex because, and and this is what I wrote in my piece on Bill's Fanatics Network, if you want to take a look at it, I wrote it last week, is you need to start to reel back on your criticism of these guys based on injuries and based on some of this stuff because... It you just they're things you can't control and and I was listening to the morning show the other day on my way into work and they were talking about the preseason how it really is you can only stand to lose you can only stand to either lose players or or anything like that because ultimately these games mean nothing and you're putting your players your your starters at risk for injury so. To be honest, the criticism of Rex Ryan, and the main thing before we head out to break here is that what I wanted to get to is Rex Ryan last year was criticized and had a lot of injuries to his key players because he was working them so hard in order to see who his best quarterback was. They were running three offenses on each field. Yeah. Guys are constantly moving. This year he says, listen, because we don't have that quarterback competition, I can reel it back. I can have guys like Charles Clay sit out every other day. I can have yep. Sammy Watkins eased back in. I get can have... right." And then you still have injuries and now you want to criticize him because he didn't prepare them hard enough. And then last year you wanted to criticize him because he could over-prepare. I, I just, there is no winning. It's damned if you do and damned if you don't. I just don't want Bills fans to continue on that narrative of damned if you do, damned if you don't, because I think it's unfair, and ultimately you're going to drive yourself crazy. And that's, to me, more important than, than backing Doug Whaley and backing Rex. Don't drive yourself crazy about this. It is just the Bills, and it is just the NFL. So do yourself a favor
2: and relax. Still got to go to work on Monday. Relax. <laughs>
3: All right, next segment, we'll continue on this Tyrod Taylor talk. Clearly, uh, I've got some more pent-up anger that I need to get out about it. So we'll continue on this Rex uh, this Rex Ryan slash Tyrod Taylor thing. Uh, and then next hour, as I mentioned, Nick Filipowski on with us, who will continue to talk Tyrod and preview some more tonight's game right here on WGR. to continue on that narrative of damn if you do, damned if you don't, because I think it's unfair, and ultimately, you're going to drive yourself crazy, and that's, to me, more important than, than backing Doug Whaley and backing Rex. Don't drive yourself crazy about this. It is just the Bills, and it is just the NFL, so do yourself a favor.
2: Still got to go to work on Monday.
3: <laughs> uh, I guess that was a little sound of me uh, freaking out last segment uh, regarding this whole uh, Colin Cowherd thing and... We're gonna continue along with this on the next half hour here. I, I mean, it, it is relevant, Ryan. It's here. It, it, the contract has been signed, um, and and as we were just kind of dealing with on Twitter with Bills fanatics, we were just we we're tweeting back and forth. Is you know, I, and I think what gets lost in all of this is the role of Tyrod signing this contract, yeah. and and it's not just about the Bills getting Tyrod at at market value. It's it's Tyrod accepting the fact that. He knows, and, and this is something that I think gets lost with a lot of quarterbacks in this league. That you know, even Tom Brady has at points been the highest-paid quarterback in the league, but has taken pay cuts in order for the team around him yep. to be the best that it can. And sometimes you have to you have to risk, and you have to, you know, take a little less yourself. So that the rest of the team can be can be quality around you. And and I think this says more about Tyrod than it even does the franchise and Doug Whaley.
2: Yeah, and I I mean you look at the deal and the way that it it's structured as of right now, what we know about it. Um, I think this opens up the opportunity for uh Stephon Gilmore to come back next year. Um, you know, regardless of whether they need to pay him like a top ten, top eight, top five corner, uh, depending on how he plays this year. I don't think they're gonna make him the top paid corner in the league, but um the money allows them to do that now. And and that's that's Tyrod Taylor um, you know, betting on himself that he's worth twenty seven and a half million dollars next year. But it's also Tyrod Taylor saying that he understands that he can't be the highest paid player in the league regardless of how well he plays, because he needs a team around him. And no more is that apparent than in a Rex Ryan team. Um, you know, we I got into the discussion on Twitter yesterday about um, who was the most important player on that Rex Ryan team that went to two straight AFC Championship games. Was it Mark Sanchez or was it Darrell Revis? And I think you can make the argument, certainly, that it was Darrell Rivas, um, because... That's what Rex Ryan needs as cornerbacks who can shut down the outside that allows him to do the do what he does with the rest of the nine defensive players on the team. And Tyrod Taylor recognizes that signs a deal. Um, that allows us to continue building um, with with positive defensive players on the other side of the football because you've got your offensive guys locked down. Uh, you've got Sammy Watkins, you've got um, Sean McCoy, and you've got Charles Clay for quite a while. Uh, outside of that, it's defense, and uh, Tyrod Taylor's allowed them to go out now and potentially sign Stephon Gilmore long-term or at the very least franchise him for one more season uh, to take to the playoffs, and then you know from there, who knows what Stephon Gilmore will do.
3: Yeah, that's another thing we should probably get into next segment, and it's pertinent to what we're talking about right now, and that's the Tyrod Taylor contract and what it could potentially mean for a guy like Stefan Gilmore now that he's really kind of the next man up here in this situation. So we'll get to that next hour. Nick Filipowski joins us at 9.30, so you'll want to stick around for that. Uh, Derek Kramer, Nate Geary, Ryan Lassell here on WGR.